topics. Lord God, we thank you for Martin. We thank you, Lord, for all his preparation. We thank you, Lord, that you reveal, reveal things to him that he wants to reveal to us, Lord. Speak through him, Lord, we pray this morning. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So last week and this week, we've been looking at the parables of Jesus. And uh, last week, if you were here, Ed very skillfully took us through the parable of the talents and also the parable of the ten bridesmaids. This week, we're concentrating mainly on the parable of the mustard seed. But you'll notice from our reading that we also touched upon the parable of the sower and the seeds and also the parable of the wheats wheat and the weeds so we'll touch upon those as well briefly in passing but we're mainly concentrating on the parable of the mustard seed so the first thing you notice when you look at that parable is how brief it is just two verses long but don't let the smallness fool you because the little parable appears in three of the four gospels now, we read it from the Gospel of Matthew, but you could also read it in Mark's Gospel in chapter 4, verses 30 and 31, and in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 18 and 19. And the second thing we notice is that Jesus once again uses a seed as the object of this parable, just as he did in the two previous parables. The third thing we notice is that it mentions the kingdom of heaven. In fact, ten times in Matthew's Gospel alone, the kingdom of heaven is mentioned. So we can deduce from that, that this is an important point that Jesus is trying to convey. The fourth thing we notice is that unlike the two previous parables, he just tells the parable and leaves it at that. No explanation. So in our study of the parable, I'd like us to consider three things. So I want to start with by looking at the object that Jesus used in the parable, the mustard seed. It might be worth just reading the two verses again. Matthew 13, verse 31. He, that's Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Verse 32, though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Now we know Jesus wasn't being botanically accurate when he said it's the smallest of your seeds, but that's not the point. He wasn't given a lecture on gardening. Now, I suspect as children, probably we've all grown mustard and cress on blotting paper, haven't we? Uh, and I expect many of you have um, small pots of mustard on your kitchen shelves or, or mustard paste in your fridge. Uh, yes, we've all used it from time to time. And those of you who are gardeners might want to know that there are a number of possible botanical names for the mustard tree. The mustard plant could be any of several plant species from the genera Brassica or Synapis. Synapis alba is white mustard, Brassica juncea is brown mustard, and Brassica nigra is black mustard. Now we don't know what plant Jesus was referring to. In 
fact, he might have been referring to another plant called Salvadora persica, which is also known as a variety of mustard tree. This is a fascinating plant, or fascinating tree, because it's also got another common name. It's called the toothbrush tree. And it's called the toothbrush tree for a reason, because it has fibrous branches, and they've been mentioned by the World Health Organization for use in oral hygiene. In fact, it's still a popular tooth-cleaning stick used throughout the Arabian Peninsula. So if you're out there, haven't got a toothbrush with you, head for a Salvadora persica, give your teeth a good brush. The fresh leaves can be eaten as part of a salad, and they can also be used in traditional medicines. The flowers are small and fragrant, and they're also used as a stimulant, and they're mildly purgative. And the wood of the Salvadora persica can be used for charcoal and firewood. And in Namibia, the mustard bush is used as drought-resistant fodder for cattle. The seeds can be used also to extract a detergent oil. Now, we know that the mustard plant is known for its hot flavour. But did you know how many health benefits the mustard plant has? Let me see the slide on health benefits. High amount of nutrients, very good medicinal value. Good for nightshades. Do you know what a nightshades are? I didn't until I did my research, but some people have a sort of adverse reaction when they eat potatoes or aubergines or peppers or tomatoes or paprika. Those are called nightshade vegetables. And what happens, those vegetables contain a sticky molecules called lectins that stick to the walls of the intestine and they can cause inflammatory bowel disease and many other related autoimmune conditions. But when you include mustard seeds in the diet, it can help prevent this type of action by the nightshade vegetables. Good for soothing the nerves? Well, I'm not about, you know, if you're feeling nervous, but about healing damaged nerves, because it's the heat that benefits damaged nerves. It can stimulate the nerves. It begins the healing process, and it's one of the best mustard health benefits. Can help fight cancer. All members of the Brassica family contain, and I'm going to use some big words here, glucosinolates that slow the growth of cancer cells. Glucosinolates interact with myrosinase enzymes to become ithiocyanates. Isothiocyanate, sorry. If you get any of those words on a Scrabble board, I know you've literally won the game. <laughs> but those chemicals help guard against the growth of cancer cells. And they can find a use for treating different types of cancers, such as cervical cancer, colon cancer, and bladder cancer. Can improve cardiovascular health. Mustard oil shows the property of reducing cardiac arrhythmias and helps decrease ventricular enlargement. Thereby, the chest pain linked to the disorder will decrease. So mustard oil is good for those who've suffered a heart attack. Good for diabetics. Studies of the effect of mustard oil in diabetics shows that it lowers the level of glycosylated proteins and serum glucose. And by its antioxidation property, mustard neutralizes the effects of oxygen-free molecules and prevents damage brought on by oxidative stress. 
It enhances glucose metabolism and reduces lipid peroxidation. Now you're learning a lot this morning, aren't you? <laughs> can help relieve aches and pains as well. So if you've got aching feet or you've got an aching back, apply a mustard plaster and it will bring some relief. Cure for migraines. One of the reasons people get migraines is that they have a deficiency of magnesium in their diet. And by eating mustard, you can increase the magnesium. And also, the mustard has omega-3 fatty acid that helps cure migraines. Relief from constipation and piles. I knew we'd get to the bottom of it sooner or later. <laughs> the mustard contains mucilage that helps reduce constipation. It's a thick, slimy substance that lubricates the walls of the stomach and intestine. And the high fibre content uh, of the mustard helps to improve bowel movement. Slow the age, oh, this is the one I need, slow the ageing process. Uh, yes, it's the rich content of the nutrients. Lutein, vitamin C, vitamin K, vitamin A and carotene handle fighting the ageing process. And the ac antioxidant activity helps prevent the degradation of healthy cells through the destruction of free radicals. If you want to stop yourself aging, destroy your free radicals. Antidotes for poison, relief for muscle pain, care for skin and hair. Did you know that if you put um, ball henna leaves with mustard seed and apply it to the hair, this will help your hair grow stronger? If you roast some mustard seeds in coconut oil and apply it to your face, you'll get a glowing face. And if you suffer from acne, the acne will disappear. Now, perhaps I ought to say at this stage, I don't have any medical qualifications. <laughs> Mind you, I say that. I did get a couple of first aid badges when I was about 13, serving as a member of the 10th Bromley Boys Brigade Company. So I think that slightly counts. But I think my bandaging skills came highly commended. <laughs> Basically, at that age, if anything stood still for more than 20 seconds, it found itself bandaged from head to toe like an Egyptian mummy. And I can remember one time playing a trick on my father. After his Sunday lunch, he sat down in his favourite armchair to have a read of the Sunday newspapers, and very quickly he fell asleep. And so I thought, this is my chance. Get my triangular bandage kit out. And then when he awoke from his slumbers about two hours later, he was very confused as he had two bandaged arms, a leg in splint, and a bandaged head. <laughs> he said, happened to me. <laughs> so I said, well, Father, don't you remember that terrible accident? Don't tell me you've lost your memory as well. <laughs> Things you get up to as kids. Now at this stage, what I was going to do was hand round a small cup of black mustard seeds and ask people just to taste them. But then I had a second thought. I thought, well, I wonder if there's any side effects from taking mustard. So if we can look at the side effects slide, David, if you've got that. And this is what it says. If you take large amounts of black mustard seeds by mouth, you could cause damage to your throat. Serious side effects such as drowsiness, diarrhea, I probably spelt that wrongly, uh, heart failure, breathing difficulties and coma might occur. And in some cases, death <laughs> might occur. If you leave an application of black mustard on your skin for a long time, it might cause skin blisters. Pregnant women must not take large amounts of mustard, as this might result in a miscarriage. 
Diabetics who take sugar-controlled drugs must take care when they take mustard, as the level of blood sugar might become too low. And if you're due for surgery, stop taking all forms of mustard. So I'm now going to issue the lawyer's disclaimer. <laughs> Whilst there's many benefits, don't go home and slather yourself and gulp down loads of mustard seeds. Do take proper medical advice before you do anything like that. There's no harm in a little bit of mustard on your ham sandwich, but just watch it, just get some proper medical advice first. Anyway, that's a bit of a digression from the point in question. So, as a plant, the mustard ordinarily reaches a height of about four feet, but with proper maintenance, mustard bushes can develop into trees and can reach heights of about 10 to 20 feet or more. And they're very common in parts of the Middle East. And I want to show you a couple of pictures of mustard trees, if you can see those, David. So look, you see the size of that one compared with the person standing in front, front of it. And that's pretty giant, isn't it? And in the autumn of the year, its branches become very rigid and the plant often provides shelter for birds of many kinds. So it becomes obvious when you read the Gospels that Jesus was very fond of this tiny little seed. In addition to using the mustard seed in the parable, Jesus also used it as an illustration in two other ways. In Matthew 17, he used it when his disciples could not cast out the demon from a young boy. The disciples asked Jesus, why couldn't we drive out the demon? And Jesus replied to them, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And you can read that in Matthew 17, verse 20. And then in Luke 17, Jesus used the same mustard seed faith to illustrate total forgiveness. This is what he says. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. So why was Jesus so fond of this tiny little seed? I mean, I guess if you were to lay a mustard seed alongside a bean seed, it would look nothing more like the speck of dust. But perhaps what attracted Jesus to this, this potential is really probably what attracted Jesus to it, that mustard seed was evidence that God could bring something great out of something so insignificantly small. And that brings me to the second point that I want to consider, and that is the meaning of the parable in Jesus' day. And to help us to understand the meaning, it helps us to look at its context it's context with the two other parables that we heard about this morning. The parable of the sower and the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And in those, Jesus had revealed some discouraging truths. In the parable of the sower, Jesus had revealed that while much 
gospel seed would be sown, only a minority of people would ever take it to heart and bear fruit for the kingdom of heaven. And in the parable of the wheat and the weeds, Jesus revealed to his disciples that Satan would do everything he could to stop the growth of the kingdom by sowing his weeds of false teachers in the world. And after hearing those, those two parables, I've no doubt the disciples were discouraged and possibly thinking to themselves, well, look, if most people won't even receive the gospel, and if Satan is going to do everything he can to stop the kingdom from growing, how will this kingdom that Jesus is talking about ever rise to greatness? So sensing their discouragement, Jesus now tells this, his disciples the parable of the mustard seed to lift their spirits and to erase doubts. And in this parable, Jesus is teaching his disciples that despite the small beginnings, the kingdom of heaven would grow to a great size. Consider the small beginnings of the king himself. Listen to Isaiah's prophecy concerning Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. Now Jesse in the Bible is the father of David, the young shepherd boy who was chosen by God to become the great king of Israel and is thus an important part of the lineage of Christ's earthly family. And to parallel the parable of the tiny mustard seed, you'll remember that it was tiny David, the shepherd boy, who stood before the mighty Goliath and the entire Philistine army. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I, come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And then, with just a small slingshot and a stone, David brings the giant Goliath crashing to the ground. Now listen to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 2 and 3, prophesying the birth of Jesus. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a, dry, like a root out of dry ground. Now listen to the next bit, which sounds very much like a mustard seed. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Just like a tiny mustard seed, God chose Jesus to have a small beginning in this earthly realm. He was born into the little town of Bethlehem to a humble Jewish carpenter named Joseph and to a teenage peasant girl named Mary. He grew up in the little Galilean town of Nazareth and for 30 years he lived in relative obscurity. But then in the three years following his baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, Jesus' life, his teachings, his miracles, his death, his burial, his resurrection, left the most lasting impact of anyone who has ever 
set foot on this planet. 21 centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus still remains the central figure for much of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, and all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings and queens, all the emperors and presidents, all the mighty rulers that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of mankind upon this earth as powerfully as this Jesus. Consider the small beginnings of the kingdom. In the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 35, Daniel prophesied concerning the kingdom. It says this, But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. <coughs> At the time of Jesus' ascension, there was a total of 131 disciples living in Jerusalem. That includes 11 remaining apostles and 120 other disciples who had not deserted Jesus after his crucifixion. 131 followers. Hardly sounds much like a kingdom, does it? But consider what happens after Jesus left this world. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we learn that on the day of Pentecost, the kingdom grew from 120 to 3,000 in a single day. Just two chapters later, in Acts 4, verse 4, we learn that the number had increased to 5,000. And two chapters later, in Acts 6, verse 7, we learn that the kingdom was no longer adding, but it was multiplying very rapidly. And then in Acts 9, we see the kingdom, the church branching out, like the mustard plant, to Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And as we know in time, the kingdom of heaven advanced to the Gentile nations in the uttermost parts of the world. Now there is a key point in this short parable that must not be overlooked, and that's with regard to the birds of the air coming to perch in the branches of the mustard tree. In the parable of the sower, we learned that the birds represented Satan and his agents who swept down to eat the seed that fell on the hardened path. One interpretation of the parable of the mustard seed relating to the birds of the air is that they represent Satan and his agents. Was Jesus warning his disciples that as his kingdom grew larger, it would become a nesting place for counterfeit versions of Christianity? Today there are many religious groups nestling under the umbrella of Christianity, groups such as Christian scientists or the Jehovah Witnesses and a host of others. Just as Jesus prophesied, many birds of the air have built their nests in the mustard tree of the kingdom. But the other more common interpretation is that the widespreading branches of the mustard tree are representative of God's kingdom on earth in his church. A place that provides spiritual nourishment for people of all races. The feeding place, the meeting place, the place where we can refuel our souls in prayer, in scripture, and in worship. So whatever the meaning the birds of the air nest in the branches means, we know that the key point of the parable that Jesus was making was about the 
God-given potential within each one of us. So now let's consider the meaning of the parable today. By way of practical application, I believe this parable of the mustard seed teaches us some very important biblical principles, and that is that God specialises in turning little things into great things. Now our planet Earth seems like a huge place to us. For example, it takes almost a day, 21 and a half hours, if you were to fly by jet to Sydney in Australia. It can take a whole day to fly to New Zealand. And yet in God's vastness of his cosmic creation, we are just a mere speck of dust, like a tiny mustard seed. But out of all the unimaginable greatness of the cosmos, God has chosen to have a personal relationship with each of us. God knows each of us by name, and he has a great plan to use us to advance his kingdom here on earth. So in this parable, God turned a little tiny seed into a great tree. And in the fulfillment of the parable, God turned a small handful of disciples into the glorious church. God turned a little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fishes into enough food to feed 5,000 people. God turned Gideon's small band of 300 soldiers into victorious champions who defeated the entire Midianite army of thousands. Time after time after time in the scriptures, we see God take little things, insignificant things, and seemingly worthless things to accomplish great things. So never underestimate what great things God can do through you and through this church. This little fellowship of believers, this small church, is a mustard seed. We don't have big membership, we don't have a big attendance, we don't have big programs, but that doesn't mean God can't do great things through this church for the kingdom of heaven. Take Mechanics of Af for Africa, started as a tiny seed, now grown into the success that it is today. Take our lovely friendship lunches and our faithfully serving members who organize and run that to serve our community. Take our youth leaders that work with young people and the folk that help run Messy Church. Take our lovely music group who serve us so faithfully Sunday by Sunday. Take Ros and Brian who faithfully serve the teas and coffees after church. Take our faithfully committed worship leaders, our people who are the meters and greeters, the lovely Nick Morgan who still does our church accounts in spite of retiring from his role as the accountant and treasurer. Denise Cleaver, who helps run the toddlers and carers group until December. Our sound desk operators, our projectionists. Meese, who kindly leads the Dower House worship. I could go on and on, and I'm gonna get myself into great trouble by not mentioning someone that plays a huge role. Fiona, who, chairman of the Stepping Stones. <laughs> but the point I'm making is, all of you play a large part Perhaps you think it's just a small part, but it is 
and a significant part in God's eyes. And God loves your faithful service and God will reward you. But we still need more volunteers in so many different areas of our church. And I'm going to ask you to consider other areas where you can serve. So I want you to take time over the next week to pray for God's guidance in how you can best serve this church in other areas of work. Speak to members of the church leadership team about areas of work that are required. But never underestimate what great things God can do through us as individuals. We might think, well, I'm just one person. What can I do? The answer is a lot. If you and I have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you may think your little prayers, your little deeds of kindness, your little words of encouragement don't matter, but they do. Those are your mustard seeds of faith. And in due time, God will bring about a great harvest if you don't give up. I want to close by quoting the words of an old hymn entitled, Little is Much. And these words punctuate what we've studied here today in the parable of the mustard seed. In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest, calling you. Little is much when God is in it, Labour not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. In the mad rush of the Broadway, in the hurry and the strife, tell others of Jesus' love and mercy and give to them the word of life. Does the place you're called to labour seem too small and little known? Is it, it is great if God is in it, and he'll not forget his own. Yes, little is much when God is in it. So I fervently pray that God will bless and encourage each one of you and this fellowship. We are his little seeds, and through our faith we can all achieve mighty things for the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.